What we found was that the more experiments we ran, the faster we were able to learn, the faster we were able to learn, the more we were able to pl place bets that actually worked. And when you do that, well, then you have a lot more revenue coming in and then that allows you to grow the team, which allows you to spend the money on more tests, which allows you to grow the team, et cetera, et cetera. It's a virtuous cycle. Welcome to Uptech Report. This is our Applytech series. Uptech Report is sponsored by TerraLeap. Learn how to leverage the power of video at TerraLeap.io. Today, I'm excited to be joined by my guest, Andres Glassman, who's based in New York. He's the CEO at Do What Works. Welcome, Andres. Good to have you on. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Now, Do What Works is a platform, if I'm pulling from your website, is for growth teams, marketing teams, product teams basically help them improve their conversion rate in their marketing on their website or on your website. It says, you can't test everything, so you might as well do what works. I, I, like, the, I like the tagline. Help me understand, what's the problem now that you set out to, to solve? Yeah, so it's, uh, the problem that uh, we set to solve is actually a problem that I used to have when I was the head of product and growth at Meetup. But basically, the problem that we're solving is that marketing teams, growth teams, product teams all over the world, pretty much for any company, um, has people coming to their website if they're very lucky. They work really hard to get people to come to their website and they really live and die based on the conversion rates of the percentage of the people who come to the website who actually convert to sign up, to become a lead, who become a trial, who actually buy the product. So it's kind of one of the most important levers in, in all of business. Uh, yet when it comes to actually improving your conversion rate, the reality is that everyone is just guessing. No one really knows what's going to move the needle. If they did, they would have already done it. They would have already optimized it. And so the world's top companies, the smartest of the bunch, are really smart about running experiments. And they're able to figure out and learn, okay, how do you improve the conversion rate by virtue of running really smart split tests or A-B tests along the way? Um, but what happens is that even those companies are kind of just guessing about what to test at the end of the day, Right. And even worse is that most of those companies are super constrained in the number of tests they can run. If you're like the biggest, most like baddest company in, in, in B2B SaaS, you're really lucky if you can run like 100, maybe 200 experiments on kind of key conversion points in your, in your funnel at the top of the funnel in a year, uh, excluding, excluding messaging, of course, ads. But like on your website, you're really lucky if you can get like 100 to 200 tests. And that's not a lot of tests if you really think about the billions of dollars that are at stake there. Um, and 80% of those tests, according to Optimizely, fail. So all those companies are running, are, are really working so hard to have a limited number of experiments where most of them fail. And what we help them do and we solve is actually help them make it so that one, if they're running tests, they actually are much more likely to have those tests succeed. And two is if they're not lucky enough to run tests, well, then they can learn from everyone else's experiments. They can learn from the bunch that are running all the tests so that they don't have to uh, be constrained. So even if you can't run experiments and you want to improve the conversion rate on your website, our platform makes it possible for people to, uh, to see what's working for the world's top companies in their space that they can learn from wow. and then be able to leverage that and piggyback. Uh, in order to sort of stand on the shoulders of giants to be able to improve their conversion rates faster, find those wins faster, which ultimately is kind of like the most important lever for them for a whole bevy of different reasons we get into. Well, we'll circle back to the technology and, and, and kind of how you see the space right now and solving it and the future, but I'd love to hear your journey. So let's take a moment and go backwards. You, you already gave a mention to that. You noticed this problem at Meetup. You were uh, at Meetup for 
14 years. Is that right? Very, very long time. Yes. So I helped launch the company. I made their first $14 of revenue. I had almost every single job you can have inside the company. I was, except for I was not the CEO, CTO, or, uh, or you know, a handful of other small, a handful of other jobs, but pretty much every other job you can have, I took on, took on a variety of different leadership roles as the company grew. But yeah, eventually I uh, was responsible for product and growth. Uh, where I, again, this is where I got enamored with experimentation. I became uh, a pioneer accidentally in the lean startup movement uh, and was able to um, sort of understand and get together and understand the power of experiments. Uh, And the more we ran experiments, the more quickly we grew. And that was kind of this aha moment for me, which was this, wow, really, really cool. So you saw right in meetup, like the, the power of multiple tests outcome equals good. You were just constantly doing that. Exactly. I mean, the reality is like our growth rate, We Meetup was a great company and we were fortunate to have this good growth rate. But when we started running experiments, our growth rate kind of went from this to like bending upwards in a pretty dramatic way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, not every experiment succeeds. In fact, most of them fail. Uh, but what we found was that the more experiments we ran, the faster we were able to learn, the faster we were able to learn, the more we were able to pl- place bets that actually worked. And when you do that, well, then you have a lot more revenue coming in and then that allows you to grow the team, which allows you to spend the money on more tests, which allows you to grow the team, et cetera, et cetera. It's a virtuous cycle. So, and we will definitely get into your solution today, which is helping solve this. But just going back to your yeah. 14 years of experience, if you were to think of some of the lessons learned mm-hmm. of the, the many tests that you've run, if, if someone wants to be able to run their own tests, what, what's an inkling of it? If you can remember a tactic or an experience from those many years that stands yeah, out to you? That's an interesting question. There's so many lessons along the way, right? Because lesson set one is sort of how do you introduce experimentation into a culture that doesn't have experimentation? It's, it's not easy. It's a very difficult thing to do. So there's one set of lessons that are along those lines that we can get into if you want to start there. Well, let's, take a, let's take a second and look at that because there, there are many organizations, I'm sure, that there may be a key individual that wants to start doing more tests, but no one else is ready for that. Was it at, that way at Meetup? Like, was it not a culture of testing from the start? Yeah, it, not at the start, in, in part because you have to understand this is 2002, uh, 2003, 2004. So this notion of running lots of A-B tests on your website was uh, not extraordinarily common. I mean, there was the, the technology was very much like you had to really build your own at that point if you were going to run experiments or find ways of hacking solutions together. Uh, but the reality is that even today, with all the technology that's out there, it's still hard for a lot of people in organizations to persuade others to run experiments because what happens when you run a test? Well, you don't get the dopamine hit of launching, which is what everyone loves doing. Everyone loves to launch, right? So you don't get the plant the flag in the ground. It actually takes longer often when you run a test to launch. And then when you do, you actually don't get to move on to the next thing yet. You still have to sort of like manage and monitor this experiment and learn from it. And that takes at least you know, on average for companies about three to four weeks. So uh, if you wanna be the person who's like, yeah, let's start running experiments, you're also gonna be seen as the person inside of a company who's saying, hey, let's slow things down for a little bit. And, and nobody likes that person, really. Nobody <laughs> likes that person. Now, uh, what do you do or how do you counter that? The, the reality is, is that the, uh, while it is a little slower and might be seen as wasteful in some, by some people to run experiments, uh, the most wasteful thing you can do is launch things that don't make a difference or worse that make results worse. Mm-hmm. And, and so ultimately kind of in the long haul, you will come out ahead. Uh, and the question is, how do you get people to see that? It is not an easy thing to do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a hard lesson to teach. What I personally learned 
uh, and maybe I was just fortunate in the path that we took was I found one very simple place to run an experiment on a very important flow. There was a monetization flow inside the meetup experience. And I found a very simple experiment we could run that would add uh, essentially a, 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 an image <laughs> into this flow. Uh, and we persuaded people to run with it. We, we got the engineering resources. We made it happen. This is before I was, I was, I was running product. And uh, lo and behold, it created a double digit lift. And a double digit lift on a monetization flow, month in, month out, is, is compound interest. It's, it's a lovely thing to have happen to a subscription business. Mm-hmm. Um, and so thankfully, we won on the first time out the gate. And the more times you win, the more times you're going to get resources to try more things. So that gave us some momentum, a little bit of the ball rolling. And then we just built momentum from there. And it snowballed and snowballed and snowballed. And eventually, people look around the organization and they say, well, I want what he's having. He, like, I want those wins. How do I get some of that? And, mm-hmm. and so people eventually try to uh, move towards the things that are working, but obviously it has to work in order for you to generate momentum. So if anything, the, the, the lesson learned is to start small and, and just find one little place that's maybe close to revenue. They can say, hey, look, we generate more revenue. Let's, let's create this more. So now let's, let's, let's move to the other side of it. If you look at, at tests, uh, how do you run a good test? How do, you, how do you perform that well? What are some lessons learned? That's a wonderful question. So what invariably happens with experiments as well is that people go from reluctant to seeing what it can do to almost running too quickly to the other side of the boat and just like saying, let's, let's get involved. Let's test everything we possibly can. Right. And so when testing replaces judgment, that creates a problem, you know, because people say, well, should we have this color button or this color button? I don't know. Let's test it. Should we do this or should we do that? Let's test it. So every debate gets resolved with the test. Well, then that just creates a backlog of about 30 years worth of, ex- of experiments that you're never going to get around to running, right? So you, you can't have that be the case. But I will say this, which is as a framework, which might be useful to, to your listeners or, or viewers, is that there's kind of a couple kinds of experiments. There's experiments that are optimization experiments, and there are experiments that are strategic experiments. And, and the two actually do overlap, and I'll, I'll get into it. So an optimization experiment is something that immediately moves a metric today on a, on, on a metric you care about, on a lever you care about, right? Um, and boy, do organizations love those, especially when they're very metric-oriented and goal-driven. It's really a shot of dopamine to say, wow, conversion rate just went up 8%. That's going to translate into X millions of dollars more every year. How awesome is that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so those are tactical in that they're just moving the metric, but they're not necessarily, uh, which is great. There's a strategic question, which is um, informing a bigger judgment or is giving you insights into a bigger concept for what you could do. Let's try and think of an example of a strategic question um, that one might face, which is a big strategic question. Should we go into uh, this? Should we go, uh, should we launch this product? Should I launch this brand new product, right? One way of launching, one way you can do that is you can build it and then launch it and see if anybody adopts it. The other is you can sort of have a split test uh, ahead of time offering the product versus not offering the product and in- included, right? And then say coming soon after the fact. So uh, an, an experiment related to a strategic question can sometimes not move the, move the needle at all today, but it gives you the direction or the evidence to move the needle in the future, right? To, to, to believe that you can move it in the future, which informs the bigger bet that you can take. And sometimes the tactical bets also overlap with the strategic ones. And there's these Venn diagrams, my, my little fat fingers here are not giving, giving, you, a, giving you a good, good, 
description of it or a good vision of it, but that's essentially what's going on. And, and so um, those are the two kinds of bets you can make with experimentation. And I guess the question is sort of knowing when to place which kind of bet. And the world has a place for both. Um, and we need to, uh, you know, and so basically what people need to learn is when to apply which kind, because they're both really important. It's thank you for sharing those, those lessons learned. And there's, I'm sure a wealth of knowledge right in that fact. If you look at the, your years though, um, so up into 2019, you were at meetup and that's then 2019, you also begin do what works. What was that? What was that transition process? Like, were you already in your head thinking, you know, uh, I got an idea. I think it's time for me to break out of my own. Uh, help me understand. What was that transition like? Yeah, it's a great question. So I'm an entrepreneur and I joined meetup and, and I really thought when I joined meetup that, uh, I was going to be there like three or four years and then I was going to go do my own thing. And, th you know, three or four years turned into 14, 15 years, uh, which was a wonderful, magical journey. Uh, awesome journey that we, we had. Um, along the way, um, the acquisition, you know, or the exit came a little later than I was anticipating. So it didn't happen in three years or four years. It came, came uh, 14 years later. We were bought uh, by WeWork and uh, stayed there for a year. And then after a year's time, I had the opportunity to, uh, to leave. And so I basically said, okay, now... I want to go start my own thing. So the kind of the funny story there is my wife uh, said to me, okay, I know you've been wanting to do your own thing for a while. You've got one year, one year to go play. Uh, I'm giving you angel funding for one year is what she basically said. <laughs> she was the seed funding or angel funder. And she said, you got funding for one year uh, to go play with different ideas. And if you don't have traction by the end of the year, you got to go get a job. <laughs> I, little, I like the analogy on angel funding one year your wife then says okay that's it now go get a job so you've been yeah. given your your uh, ultimatum and you jump so, out so uh, so yes yeah, so so during that year i um i explored a lot of different ideas that i just was really interested in and intrigued with and during that time i started i teamed up with an engineer that i had worked with for over a decade at meetup he was brilliant one of my absolute favorite people at meetup and we started getting together and playing with ideas and uh, one of the things like along the way, I basically had this idea around experimentation, sort of remembering this problem that I had at Meetup, which was this notion of saying, wow, I really loved running experiments and I really wanted to learn from other people. But what if I could learn from everyone else? And that was the aha moment was this like, oh, I really remembered that, that bug. And I had this idea for how we could do it. And I said to my co-founder, Will, I said, Will, do you think we could do something like this? And, and, and he's like, uh, yeah, I think we could do it that way. But what if we did it this other way? It might even be better. And so we basically, uh, from there, like, so he, he hacked something together over a weekend, or, you know, over a couple of days. And we started looking at it and playing with it. And then we looked at the results and we said, can it tell us the experiments that are being run by companies we like? So we gave it a few companies and sure enough, it came back and it did. And we're like, wow, this is really cool. <laughs> this is really neat. And, uh, and so that was this moment of like, oh my God, this is really interesting. And then we showed it to friends of ours that thankfully I'm in the product space. I know a lot of product leaders uh, and we showed it to friends of ours and they said, yeah, if you build this, we will pay you for it. And so we, affirmation. Um, what's that? That's the best affirmation as yes, oh, give me your money. And that means. <laughs> absolutely. So actually the first thing we launched was a Stripe credit card form. So the only thing we had online, our only presence online this is 100% true, uh, was, uh, the, uh, was a Stripe payment form. So you went to our website, dowhatworks.io, all you would see is a credit card form at that point. And what we promised them was, look, we're, uh, we had the backend engine working in a very rudimentary way. 
Uh, and at that point, we said, we'll send you PDFs and, uh, of, of the actual experience after the fact. Mm-hmm. And we didn't actually uh, ever deliver those PDFs. We built, the, we built the dashboard really, really quickly, faster mm-hmm. than we had promised. And then we launched the dashboard for them. And then ever since then, we've just been iterating with these amazing set of people uh, who are really our people. We love, like these mm-hmm. are friends and, and, and or people who should be our friends, essentially, are the people we work with who are product and growth and marketing leaders. Um, and we've just been iterating with them and, and for them uh, mm-hmm. to help make their experience better and better. And it just started snowballing from there. And, and so it's kind of the ultimate lean journey, like a lot of validation up front and, uh, and then, you know, becomes this other thing that you really just didn't know what it could be until you started doing it. And you've bootstrapped this yourself. Yep. Yep. We were revenue positive from day one. Uh, so, uh, so our funding has come from our customers. Uh, is is how we like to think of it. Uh, but we're not against uh, potentially doing a, a round in the future, um, but right now we haven't needed to. So we're mm-hmm. uh, we're, we're driving it on our own. Um, and it, having having had the 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 outcomes that we had before, the exits certainly didn't doesn't hurt the cost. Right. You have your angel investor, your wife. What did your wife say? How quickly did you get to the, to this idea after testing? What was that? How long did you take? I'm curious of that. Oh, um, about four and a half, five months. Five months of playing and tinkering and mm-hmm. evolving and, you know, all those little things that I played with along the way, the conversations that I had. One of the things I did during that exploratory period was I would, I would get to, I'd go um, I'd schedule one day a week for meetings and I'd just try and go back to back to back at coffee shops or whatever in the city. Mm-hmm. And I would uh, I basically line it up and I'd just take meetings with anyone. I was default. Yes. On, on a meeting. And I meet with people doing wildly different things. And all I'd say is, how can I put wind in your back? Or how can I put wind in your sails? Mm-hmm. And I literally, like, I wasn't asking them for what problem they need to solve. I just literally asked them how I can help. And then I would try and help. And in the process, try and learn about different problems. But invariably ended up solving my own, which is kind of funny uh, after all <laughs> that. But, you know, all those conversations sort of built up into this thing that sort of all planted the seeds or maybe created the, the, the ground and made it fertile for the idea to pop up. Is there, it's kind of still early in the venture, obviously a year and a half or so going into it, but is there anything that you've learned now that you wish you had gone back and told yourself? Hmm. Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, we've been very, we're, we're, we're lean people to begin with. So we're very much uh, all about, uh, you know, letting the data reveal itself, letting the opportunity reveal itself and being very open to possibilities um, mm-hmm. is really how we see it. It's sort of around optionality, creating really good options and then finding the best options or taking the best options that are available. Um, along the way, what are the things that I'd wish I had learned a little earlier? Um, I think there's a, uh, a, a tendency when you're running something or getting it off the ground to uh, want to be very conservative with cash. Mm-hmm. And I think what we've learned is that there are certain investments that when you make are worth 10x the investment. And so you should spend as much as you can on that thing. For example, design. Yeah. Which one? Design, like a designer. When you know, we sort of hacked together early versions of it, we worked with the designer up front to get us started. And then we didn't um, work with the designer again for, for multiple months. Um, and then we found an, a designer and it was like that, you know, the clouds parted and it was like sunny all the time uh, as a result of being able to work with them because the work that we were doing, the output, was just so much better. Mm. And so, yeah, we 
could get good enough. We could do okay. Like having the right person with the right expertise and spending the money is so even in an early stage. Oh, why, um, yeah. uh, why design? It's one of many. Uh, it, there, there's a lot of other examples there of hiring the right person. I just happen to love designers um, mm-hmm. because I believe that um, the expectations that everyone has of technology, both direct, both business to consumer and business to business, uh, that the bar is constantly being raised mm. and that people have a very high bar and, and or will have a very high bar for a, good, a great user experience. And so when I say design, I'm really talking like product designers who can really help you think through and deliver a great experience that also looks visually pleasing. Everything is where you expect it to be. It works the way you think it should. Um, there's no room in, in going forward in any kind of technology that involves a human being, <laughs> uh, where you have the, the luxury of not delivering a great user experience. And, and so therefore, uh, investing into a designer is, is the fastest, most reliable way of delivering on that, that, that promise, right. Or delivering on that expectation. I should really say. That is a, a powerful insight for those that are also looking to, to, to create new startups and different things. The the value of investment of a good designer for your product. How, how big is the team today? Yeah, we uh, we just crossed uh, 10 people. So we're a little north of 10 people at this point. We're, we're pretty Very excited. Nice. You're not new to the managing people, that's for sure, <laughs> coming from, from Meetup. No, that's right. I've, I've lar- managed large teams. Um, and it's, it's really fun after going through the slog to be able to have really talented individuals that I get to work with now. Mm-hmm. Um, and change the nature of, uh, of, of the day-to-day work. It certainly has changed a lot in the last uh, last year or so as a result of bringing people on board and, and quite honestly, it just accelerates. So, um, so Ed, uh, yeah, go ahead. I have a question from a different angle here. You're bringing a whole new direction of looking at testing uh, by looking at what are the big guys doing? What are they doing uh, that I can learn from them? What what have been some of the roadblocks or or, or challenges of either making this happen or, or getting adoption or, or or any any type of roadblocks? It's a great question. I'm, I'm finding myself blinking a lot, yeah. which means I'm thinking very hard about about something. Yeah, um, often it, it it is initial sailing may be fine, but there's whether it's uh, it could be the, the the companies that you're pulling this data from, uh, or or it's the people that are saying, "Can I trust this? Can I can I believe in this?" I mean, what, I'm curious of what uh, have been some of the pushback or 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 um, struggles or anything, or has it all been smooth sailing? All the it'd be a lie to say it's all smooth sailing, um, but um, it, it's interesting because I don't think of uh, I, I think of like entrepreneurship in this journey like a series of uh, like going to an amusement park. And, and and you basically get to ride one ride at a time and finishing the ride buys you the ticket to the next ride. Right. And so for us, the, 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 the rides that we get to go on are, are harrowing. They're, they're daunting. They're up and down. They make your stomach turn, you know, they they make you want to yell sometimes, but they're exhilarating at other times, sometimes all, all in the span of like three minutes. Right. Sometimes. So like when I think about the, the rides we've been on, you sort of sort of think a little bit about, okay, well, like what are each, ride in this journey along the along this 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 in this path has basically like been its own series of interesting challenges like can we does the technology work was sort of the first set of challenges can we actually do this does it actually do what we think it does yes 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 does anyone care about it yes um can we get somebody to pay us money to do it right Mm -hmm. yes does uh can we do that again can we deliver the product are they gonna 
be satisfied with it? Does it make a difference for them? Can we build this into their workflow? Can we, uh, uh, will they retain? And so, you know, the answer is, uh, is, is every single one of those things is a series of roadblocks if you think about it. Uh, but it's also sort of a series of milestones that once you clear, it buys you the ticket to the next ride which is its own set of roadblocks, right? So I don't want to convey, it's sort of to me not around, um, uh, it's it's less existential and it's just more about just like continuously facing an uphill climb, which is what entrepreneurship is, um, mm-hmm. just being like, not stoic, but being knowledgeable that you're in it for a long haul and that it's going to happen and that you just got to figure out a way through. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where we're at. So, you know, now we're our new set of challenges is how do we do this at the scale that we're doing it? And the next set of challenges will be how do we do it at an even bigger scale, uh, et cetera, et cetera. The, the business model itself right now, is it, is it just a, a flat SaaS, like a monthly yearly subscription? Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a subscription tied to, uh, tied to different tiers related to uh, what sectors people are choosing to learn from, what companies are learning from and how many users they have involved. It, it's, that's actually not the, that that's that's the least complicated of the things we're working on. The the um uh kind of ability for people to come on just briefly, not not long. Do you need to share what the product? How does it work? How how would someone use it? Yeah. So the way that the product works is, and it helps to sort of think about who's using it, and then how are they using it. So very often we have sort of two kinds of users. You have the people who um get people to the front door and then the people at a company who get people through the front door, if you think about it, right? So the marketers get you to the front door with the campaigns that they're running. And then there's people whose job it is, sometimes they're on the marketing team, sometimes they're on growth or product teams, whose job it is is to get those potential customers through the front door uh, on the website. And so those are, we, we help both of them in, in, in different ways, but essentially uh, in terms of getting people through the front door, the way it works is you identify uh, the kinds of companies you most want to learn from. So let's say you're direct consumer. Let's say you're in the B2B SaaS space. Uh, obviously, you want to see what your customers, what your competitors are doing and learn from the experiments that they're running. But much more interesting is learning from companies in a slightly adjacent space that are also serving small businesses, for example, that also are working on a pricing page optimization and trying to figure out like, what should their pricing page look like? And is it a good idea to call out popular or is it not a good idea? It should what should the button copy say? What should, how should we lay it out? Should we offer three plans or four plans or five plans? These are all the kinds of questions that somebody might find themselves facing if they're trying to optimize a website to try and get customers to sign up. Um, what our customers do is they um, look at, okay, well, who else has have faced these problems? How did they solve them? What did they test? What won and lost? And then they can make decisions. So the experience uh, and all this is actually, I should have said this originally, which I don't think I said just yet. It's just a dashboard. So the core user experience is a dashboard and a series of alerts. So you, um, you look at the dashboard, you're able to really quickly and easily see sort of what are the, uh, either by company or by trend or by page, uh, mobile web or desktop web, like what are the different experiments that are being run that are really related to the problem I'm working on or the place or the page I'm working on, et cetera. And you can basically see what everyone has tried and what won and lost and then use that to make better decisions. So that's kind of the core experience in terms of like when somebody's looking to solve something, there's also alerts, which are really popular, uh, which notify you about things that are happening in your space. Uh, and those are really fun uh, to, to receive because obviously um, the people we work with are very, very curious and like love learning. And so to see this new experiment just popped up on social proof, um, just adding stars, is that 
did it work or not work? It's, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's got its own sense of drama. It's all fun to watch. And so we were hopeful that it's, it's fun and useful at the same time. Uh, but maybe we're just serving a very, very specific kind of person who has a weird definition of fun. Uh, I, I love your, 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 your angle of that. Curious for the, the ideal customer for you. Are, are they a certain size, like mid-market, startups, enterprise? Yeah, we will be growing to serve everyone uh, for sure. But out of the gate, in terms of the beta, we're really focused on the mid-market enterprise. Um, we have a wait list that people can sign up for that, that if they're not quite right for the product just yet. Uh, when we move into uh, into their sector, we move a little bit uh, over to uh, to a smaller size company. Uh, we will work with them for sure. Yeah. Uh, but and that's not in the that, that's in the very near term future. Uh, but we're just being very disciplined about our rollout so that we can be sure that we're serving each segment well um, mm-hmm. as we go to market. Got it. So right now it's it's definitely a it's not a product letter rather it's not just let me sign up and i can just do it all myself and figure it out it's, it's a much more hand-holding at the moment and the, hence the mid-market enterprise yeah exactly uh we're uh we're, we're we come from uh the consumer space we're very excited about going to that self-service model um so uh, it, well, I, it, it's in the near term plans. That's why I like here because I, I can imagine there's a lot of startups and other small businesses that would love to, to be able to learn what the big guys do, but it's nice that that's on the roadmap of getting there. Oh, yeah. yeah. And right now people can, I mean, we, um, we want to explore, understand the different kinds of market, like the folks coming in. So people can sign up uh, and they'll be, uh, if they're not right right now, we, we put them on a wait list and we're going to be sure to give them the, the earliest access right now if they sign up earlier. Right. Got it. Uh, Andre, thank you so much for, for sharing the journey that you've been on from Meetup to, to this point and the, the passion and excitement you have for testing uh, and the multiple ways. For those that want to learn more, you can go over to dowhatworks.io. And if, you, if you're not a fit yet, you can put yourself on the wait list until when you are. Thanks again for your time. It's good to have yes. you on. My pleasure. What a wonderfully interesting set of questions you asked today. So it was real, real fun. Absolutely. And we'll see you all on the next episode of Optech Report. Have you seen a company using AI, machine learning, or other technology to transform the way we live, work, and do business? Go to uptechreport.com and let us know. 